Welcome back, Million Dollar Agent, coming to you live with Troy Malcolm, John McGrath, and John No Tom Panos this week. I'm so used to Tom screaming that opening, Troy. That was so <laughs> reserved, and, and I love that very much. Well, Tom might have to rethink. That sounded very sophisticated. <laughs> now, where is Tom? Why isn't he here today? Tom is on leave this week. I think oh, uh, I think he got upset. The uh, the Tigers lost on the weekend. Um, first so time, wasn't first it? Time yeah, first time. So did the bunnies. Wow. For the year, and so did the roosters. Again, we got annihilated, forty nil. So reality sets in. Well, it's the AFL starts next week, is it? Easter? Next week, yeah. Easter after okay. Easter weekend. So very good. We'll be tuning in for our uh, Melbourne uh, listeners and uh, and all Brisbane. So it's national competition now, isn't it? So it's no longer Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, everywhere, the AFL. Yeah, it's looking so up to... Be lots to talk about there. What's our focus today in the absence of young Mr. Panelist? Well, John, we're going to focus on the dreaded sales meeting. It happens pretty much in an every office on a weekly basis. And we see that for not only sales agents, for leaders in our business, it can be sometimes a very um, uh, delayed and processed event instead of being energetic and really mm. getting to the core of what great information can be shared on a sales meeting. So I thought a short and sharp podcast to really focus on what makes a really effective sales meeting. We've got to stop calling it the dreaded sales meeting, of course. That's one of the uh, things. Because you're right, though, a lot of people do see it as... Um, uh, the worst hour of the week, and yet I think if a principal or a sales manager is able to harness the energy, theoretically it should be the best hour of the week because it's really an opportunity for people to get together, share ideas, tap into the corporate energy or the group energy, um, share buyers. So I, I think that what you've got to do is firstly in your own mind, Troy, you've got to reframe it within your business that this is an opportunity to take your business to a whole new level. And, and we're very fortunate with some of our sales management team and Con and Matt LaHood and so forth that, that really are great at holding sales meetings. Uh, and and it, is, it is a skill, so I'm glad we're talking to it or about it today. Um, I think a few things. I used to actually love sales meetings. For me, they were the best hour of the week. Um, sometimes they go for an hour and a half, but rarely any longer than that. And for me, it was the opportunity, and it's a little bit like they are, well, I often refer to it to as body contact sport. Whoever is the leader, and let's say it's the principal or the sales manager, whoever is leading the meeting, you've got to be in and you've got to be organised, you've got to be energised, and you've really, because the, the energy of the leader is going to have a lot to do with the meeting. So it's really critical, because, you know, you get a, a team leader stand up and they arrive five minutes late and they're unprepared and they're monotone and, 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 mm. you know, that is not a precursor for a great sales meeting. Whereas if someone comes in, they're organised, they've got something happening, they've got kind of a little training. And I used to sometimes play videos at the beginning or we'd start with a story and say, okay, who's had some wins this week? So you've got to, it is a skill to hold a good meeting, not just sales meeting, a good general meeting, a good team meeting, whatever it is. So I think for, for principals and sales managers listening, you need to be you know, good and skilled up at that. So I think that's pretty critical. I was going to say, I remember when I first started with McGrath, you were still hosting sales right. meetings on a regular basis for the Eastern Suburbs office, and they were held downstairs where we are. Mm. Um, that's way back in 2002. But I right. remember it was an event. It was always, there was high energy. There was always grab a coffee or send your coffee order in. You would know right. the specific agenda as well, more than two days out. So leading up to the meeting, we'd know if there was a guest speaker, who that person was and what were their strengths. The second thing was there was a repetition and consistency to every 
every single week, but there was enough energy in the room sharing results and sharing learnings that everyone was taking notes and writing down heaps of information. Well, a couple, a couple of good thanks, Troy, about that. A couple of good observations. One is you're right. We used to prepare it two days out. So myself and my assistant at the time used to say, you know, what are the topics? Are we going to play a video? Um, who's going to be speaking on what subject? We, we'd often get outside speakers. And this was for weekly sales meetings. We're not talking about once a year sales event. So, you know, we worked hard. So I think that th there is some success in that, that you've got to work hard to create an agenda that's worth attending. Um, so you've got to put, you know, the sales meeting at 8 o'clock Monday starts at Thursday 5 p.m. when yep. you start organising what's going to happen at the sales meeting. Um, two is we used to get the team, as you would probably remember, to everyone in the team to prepare. So what that meant was, uh, I mean, I'm going off a bit of memory here, Troy, and I think it's probably changed a little bit, but you used to have to bring your top 10 buyers. Yep. You used to have to bring is what auctions have you got coming up this Saturday? And, and we would go through an agenda and say, Troy, what are your hot auctions this week? How are they looking? Who are the buyers? Who are the hot buyers? Who are the best buyers in general you're working with? So. I think you know preparation is free, as we always say on the podcast, so get really well prepared. Second thing was attendance was, I hate using the word mandatory, but if you weren't there, there was a problem. Mm -hmm. And if you were late, there was a problem, because mm -hmm. I find that if you're going to start a meeting, start on time. So at 8 o'clock, we locked the door, and if you were 30 seconds late, well, then you weren't entered into the meeting, out of respect for the people that were there. And then we'd have a chat afterwards and see why you couldn't get there on time. And people say, well, I was half a minute late. I said, no, you were 15 minutes late because you really should have been here at quarter to eight. So I think you've, you've got to give people a tough love just out of respect for those that do get there on time. And I understand there's always a genuine problem. And sometimes people would call me at 7.40 and say, look, I've been blocked in the garage or the batteries, whatever. But it'd have to be a genuine reason and let me know in advance. It would always be the usual suspects as well. I remember we always used to, I was coming from the Northern Beaches uh, when I first was, was here and, and I remember it was always kind of the usual suspects you'd see kind of sneak in right on time or they'll be right, like right. 30 seconds before and we always made a concerted effort to get here as fast well, as possible. Well, you know, you, you've, you've got to be 15 minutes early is on time yep. and arriving on time is late in my book. And same with the listing appointment, by the way. You know, if you're arriving at a three o'clock listing appointment and if you're reverse parking your car at a minute to three, I think you're late because you've got to get out of the car, you've got to get into the house and, and you're probably not in the right mental state. So always try and be 15 minutes early. So a couple of tips there. Lots of preparation. Start on time and finish on time. And as I said, you know, we, we rarely would go past an hour and if we did, um, we would let people know early if we had a, a really full agenda. Um, second thing is then you need um, a roadmap for the meeting. So it can't just meander. So I think you know most meetings we'd start with you know five to fifteen minutes learning, mm -hmm. which often debrief it. Then we'd go into the specifics, and then we'd end up with an action summary of what all we agreed at the end of the meeting. So I think you know you you can layer this into any form of meeting, even a listing presentation. Some of those those key areas, but the key thing that you've got to bring to the meeting is energy. Yeah, you have to bring energy, and the team has to bring energy. Um, and Matt LaHood's so great at this. I mean, Matt's just a great person. He, he, he takes energy with him wherever he goes. Tommy Panos is the same thing, that wherever Tom goes, you know, there's energy, there's an aura of energy and optimism and enthusiasm around him, which is why he's so successful. So, um, yeah, I, I think there are a few of the key things. I mean, what else did you, the other what thing, other thoughts well, did you have? One of the ones that I got and I thought was really relevant was it was an open book with regards to challenging ideas. It yep. wasn't necessarily, um, John, you hosting the meeting, no one challenged your thinking and thought process. It was, right, what are we seeing? What are some of the challenges mm. we can do around an idea instead of a specific mm. person or problem? 
um, in the sales meeting, which I thought was always good. If it was going to auction, why was it going to auction? If there was one bidder that was, or one buyer that was much higher than everyone else, why were we not selling the property prior? If that was the standout feature, yeah. And I always thought that, that was great to have that open conversation in a group setting. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Troy. And, and you know, you're right. The, if you've got ten good agents around a table, um, Adam Room, you've got ten great minds. Get input from everyone. And sometimes, or not sometimes, almost all the time, there was that cross-pollination of ideas yeah. and, and people would say, look, the Smiths, I know, look, I wouldn't be holding my breath because I think their limit is 750 but I know the Joneses, they've bid up to 825 on other auctions. They might be a buyer, but you might want to try and close that before because I think they're a long way ahead of the rest of the competitors. There was always that good banter. Mm. And I think in, in an office, and Tom and I and you have spoken about this at previous podcasts, you need a culture of integrity where people trust each other. Because if you say something about a buyer or a seller in the room, what you don't want is one of your colleagues goes out and then rings that buyer up and says, look, I've heard that you're looking at that auction, I've got a better listing. So if you want to have a transparent culture of openness and honesty, what you've got to do is make sure that everyone buys into that. So you know, I think one of the, the benefits of our, of our groups um, I guess the culture within the business has been that we've been very tough on anyone that steps outside that, that culture in the past. And sometimes it's short-term pain because you, you lose someone who had many good traits and a good contributor, but integrity is kind of non-negotiable yeah. in my world, in our world. So I think that that's really, really critical. But I think, look, it's a good point because you, you know, I think you tongue-in-cheek refer to it as the dreaded sales meeting because that's how most people see it. You shouldn't see it as that, whether you're a participant or an organiser. This is the opportunity for you to disseminate and share ideas once a week. Now, by the way, it's always followed by a group inspection or what the industry often calls a caravan, yep. right? So, uh, especially when we're a bit smaller, as we got bigger, you had to kind of d- divide that up. But I think it's, it's critical as, that everyone in the team sees each other's listings. Mm. Number one, it's great support. So I feel good if I can demonstrate to my client a few days after I've listed a property, here are my seven great colleagues. They're all interested to come and see your property. I'm bringing them through and they're all going to tell their buyers. So I think group inspections are really important and I think that's a little bit of a dying art. Absolutely. Partly people just you know lost the energy around it and partly there's also, I think, a tendency today, which is unfortunate, a lot of agents work very solo or in silo mentality and my view is, you know, one plus one equals 11. Mm-hmm. And if you're working well as a cohesive team, it's always going to beat individuals. Always going to beat individuals. The other, the other thing I remember about when we used to do the caravan, within 24 hours of returning back to the office, there was a full summary of the, the best outtakes of the meeting. Yeah. And then also the price range that we were quoting for each property and the configuration. Because it was kind of the very early on days of our Mars system and we were still um, getting... Technology was not the, was not playing the same role then as it was. And remember, we used to have a big whiteboard in the That's front. Right. In fact, we had yeah. three or four <laughs> whiteboards in the front of the sales room and, and, and we, as we do today, we operate in, a, in an open plan sales room. And, you know, literally you'd go up when you got a listing and you'd write in, in, uh, in pen on the board what you got, when it can be inspected, what price range. No, it's good. So I encourage everyone out there listening that play this very seriously, the, mm. the, the uh, role of the sales meeting. One thing before we finish, I, I was just watching a friend of mine, Anthony Curry from Parramatta, yep. who's a fantastic, one of the great commercial agents, certainly in Sydney, probably in Australia. 
and his specialty is Parramatta. He sent me, anyway, thank you very much, Anthony, for sending it to me. He sent me a, a video, and it was an interview with Barbara Corcoran. So you would know Barbara of uh, previously of Corcoran's. She started, of course, Corcoran's. Yep. And more recently, Shark Tank, America's mm-hmm. Shark Tank. She's been one of the very successful uh, investors on that. And uh, this guy was interviewing her from one of the, the news networks, and he basically said, Barbara, if you were pitching to the Sharks to invest in a real estate brokerage, um, and in fact, I'll, I'll get you to put this, we'll get we'll Judith get to put this on Tom's yeah. website, would be good. Um, because, I, look, everyone will watch it, but I'll just paraphrase. Basically, he said, if, if, you, if you were pitching a new Corcoran's business, what would you be doing? And she said, well, look, here's what I'd say. One is, this is a, a, a tried and tested model. So, um, you know, this is an industry where for many, many decades people have been able to, the, good, the best have made good money, and it's, it's, it's therefore, it's not a high risk. Second thing she said, it's all about people, which we know, and therefore you've got to back someone who's good at picking people and coaching people and making them more productive. And he said, so what is it, Barbara, about, you know, what made your agents the most successful? And she said, I remember when I sold the business, which was probably going back a decade or so, she said... There were some people making seven and eight million, but the average was fifty thousand. So she said, "Why were some people making, you know, sort of fifteen or twenty times, whatever it is, or hundred times? I don't know what it is. It's a big number, more than the rest." And she said, there, "There was two things. One was I found the people that were successful. They always had a point to prove. There was something about them that they were going to make it no matter what." And she said, "The interesting thing is, it often came from people that had a setback or disadvantage." And they were going to prove they could do it. Yeah. Not, not in a baggage-carrying, angry way, but just that they were determined. And she said often their success came out of their previous pain. Um, so that was kind of a really uh, interesting insight. And, and we'll put this up and you can... Yeah, put through the link. There's another one. Barbara must be speaking to quite a few people. James Altucher, which we listen to a yeah, lot, yeah. both you yeah, and I love and Tom. Him, love him. Episode 156, which is only a fortnight ago, was James spoke with Barbara and spoke to her about the five signs that you're meant to be an entrepreneur. Now, the reality is, salespeople, they do have a very much of an entrepreneurial spirit. So a great episode. We'll put the link on as well to James's show. We should just take over Tom's website now. (laughs) That's right. We're telling him what he's going to put on his website. I hope he's okay with all this. Sorry, Tom, you'll be listening to this, mate. We are just taking over. I'm sure he will be. (laughs) Judah, thank God Judah's here, because otherwise Tom would get nothing done. (laughs) But uh, the other thing, just quickly, the other thing on Barbara's, and, and I definitely haven't listened to the Adult Teacher podcast, I will. The other thing she said was the 7 and $8 million people had the ability to accept rejection and not miss a beat. And I've said that, not probably not as articulately as Barbara, but I've said that for many years. The ability to not let the constant rejection in real estate slow you down or stop you. Whereas most people, you know, they miss a listing, they pass three properties in, um, whatever it is, and you'll often see them for the next two weeks, they're gone. You know, yep. Sometimes it's two or three days, sometimes two or three weeks. The best people say, well, you know, I've got to go sell it again, or I've got to go get this property sold on Monday, and they would just get up, brush themselves off, and get moving. So watch the video on Tom's website. Really encourage everyone to, but key skill is to make sure that you don't let the things that go wrong get you down. So we'll leave it on that, but I think, I think it'll be uh, an interesting to get people's reaction. Don't forget Q&A. We have Q&A each week, and, or each couple of weeks. Please send in to Tom's, his address is. Yep, his address is on the website, tom at tompanos.com.au. Um, send through your send, feedback. Send in your questions. You know, we love those questions. And the feedback we get about 
Because, you know, here we're not actually answering one person's question. Out of the, you know, six or 7,000 people that are regularly listening to us, 5,000 of them have got the same problem or the same question or the same challenge. So, you know, really, you know, it, it helps everyone if you, if you share with us what are you unsure of, what would you like to know more of, where are you stuck? If you get stuck, just let us know and we will not just give you some, some coaching, but we'll give all six or 7,000 of our listeners coaching. Well, the chances are, yeah, the same question that you're thinking, everyone else is thinking along the same lines. Also, a reminder, guys, jump onto the iTunes uh, page for Million Dollar Agent, rank it, rate us five stars, leave some feedback there. We're really proud and um, very happy that the feedback that's been provided. Um, the Owens Castle boys were there a couple of weeks ago. They rated us? They rated us five stars. Did they stars. say nice things? They did say nice oh, God, things. Oh, God, love Thanks, them. God. Um, and their team. But that's about it, guys. We'll be back next now, week. Now, before you go, oh. realestate.com.au. Oh, our sponsors. Our spon- <laughs> we love REA. I was down there last week, a couple of weeks ago, actually, in Melbourne. We did a strategy day. And uh, I mean, most listeners would, would probably know that I'm on the board of REA. Mm-hmm. Um, really fascinating, just the stuff that's happening in the world of digital and the world of REA. And Tracy and the team, one by one, we spent a whole day from nine till basically five just getting presentations to the management team about what's happening in the world and what's happening in Australian real estate and nowadays beyond because REA is a global player in this industry. Um, so, yeah, really exciting things coming up with REA. So thank them for sponsoring us again. We've also got Tracy speaking at this year's ARIC. We're interviewing her for a Million Dollar Agent Live at one of lunchtime. So you yeah. guys will get to see. We've featured Tracy as one of our highest rated podcasts on Million Dollar Agent. We're going to catch up with Trace again at... Um, Eric's getting close weeks away (laughs) weeks away that's very very close so thanks everyone for listening today Um, you'll be delighted to know that Tom Panos will be is he back next week he's back next week Tom will be joining us next week we look forward to uh, some of your questions emailed in have a great week see you guys